Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Well, you already know what's going on. I'm going to say it. You're going to give me crap for it. But, you know, as we're recording this, game one of the World Series starts tonight. By the time this podcast airs, the Dodgers will have won the World Series. That's all I'm going to say, Daryl. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, you heard it first. Well, since this is going to come out after the World Series is over, you probably heard it a long time ago. But Larry predicted it right here today on Tuesday, <laughs> October 20th. Uh, write it down and you can see if Larry is going to be the source of a new Sporting Beds podcast. coming up. <laughs> but uh, hey, I understand you're quite optimistic about this. Uh, do you, I'm more than optimistic, right? It's, I keep saying it's our year and then I get let down. Then I get a bunch of crap from my friends and I go, all right, this is the year. I just can't check my phone. There you go. It's going to be a lot of fun. And by the way, welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast. If you're new, you've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, adding real value. We call it Selling from the Heart and Larry, the conversation over the last couple of weeks about that we started uh, with our free live cast uh, about is sales training broken and what to do differently in 2021, that has definitely uh, led to some phenomenal conversations. And I just want to say to everybody out there, it's a great time right now. And it's an important time in sales for all of, all of us to be thinking about what do we need to be doing differently? What do we need to do to make sure we're set up to drive and thrive going into 2021 and beyond. Yeah, and I just have to preface, you know, the, we're not here to poke fun and, and poke uh, ill will at sales training. There's great sales training out there. But what we are saying is, you know what, the course of 2020, Daryl, this has been a time where we've had to sit back and, you know, re-educate ourselves and re-engage and look how we're doing things. Well, the same can be said as far as how we've been training salespeople forever and a day the exact same way. Yeah, absolutely. So if you'd like to catch the recording of that, if you haven't seen it yet, if you're living under a rock or just to happen to not see it yet, you can check it out. Just text, text the word heart to 21,000. That's heart to 21,000. You'll find that and all kinds of great resources. Larry, the World Series is here. The Dodgers are in the World Series, but as good or even better is the guest that we have in the house today. Why don't you introduce our friend and let's dive in. Uh, I can't wait to bring Coca Sexton on, but just a quick backstory. So I remember, gosh, this goes back five years, four and a half years ago when I was forced into entrepreneurship. So you like that word forced into entrepreneurship? I, I started to even position myself even more on social and I gravitated to what Coca was delivering at the time. And I would watch his videos. In fact, I used some of Coca's videos and interviews when I was training sales teams. And it's just been a pleasure and an honor to get to know Coca. So without further ado, Coca Sexton, welcome to Selling from the Heart. This is kind of cool, dude. This is really cool. And thank you for having me. Um, it's amazing that it's been that long. Um, Can you believe it's been that? that? Many years. Yeah. 
Hey, and full, and, and real quick though, in full disclosure, this is the power of social and building friendships. One of these days, yeah. Koka, you and I will actually meet face to face. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a testament to how we met and lots of the conversations that you and I've had over the past is just yeah. this idea of where social has really built connective tissue where it would have never existed before. I don't exactly. know if I would have ever known who you were um, had it not been for social media. And then to see how what you were doing in an adjacent industry, which I would have thought was archaic and unchangeable, <laughs> you were changing it. Uh, you know, I made this comment, uh, I think it was earlier today in an update about another thing that you, you and I had worked on was that, you know, you're just kind of this renegade. And, you know, I, I chose that word because I kind of think of you in that sense. You had all things pointing against you and you're like, nope, I'm going to do it this way anyway. And yeah. it worked. So, I mean, it's, it's been amazing to watch, you know, your career kind of grow, being forced into entrepreneurism and then kind of seeing selling with the heart and, and you know, then getting to, to know Daryl in that process as well. Uh, you know, it's my pleasure to be on your show. That's so cool. Uh, we're so glad to have you here. And you know the question every guest on Selling from the Heart answers, and I'm really looking forward to your spin on this. What does it mean to you to sell from the heart? Well, I think there's lots of different definitions that I can come up with around that. But I think the easiest one, you know, at its face value um, is being authentic and doing things with compassion, right? They don't not going for the hard sale. Um, I also believe that, you know, the bigger picture or the bigger idea of around selling from the heart is really how are you adding value into all these people that you you're coming in contact with, um, which is, you know, one of the core values that I kind of adapt into, which is, you know, add value in excess of whatever you ask for in return. I think in its, you know, in a much shorter, concise way of saying it, it's selling from the heart. Uh, because if you are doing that, adding value in excess, you know, you are giving all with very little expectation in return. And, you know, the, what you get in the benefit from that usually outweighs whatever you're giving in that process. No, it's, it's so good because um, it reminds me as I'm listening to you, there's a book by Adam Grant, and I believe the title of the book is called Give and Take, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And he talks about givers and he talks about takers. And, and it's really interesting because those that sell from the heart are givers. We give of ourselves, we give of our knowledge, we give up our networks. But unfortunately, in that what I'm concerned with, there's a vast majority that take. Yeah. And I mean, I think Adam Grant's a, a great example of that because, you know, he's a, he's a professor, like he studies this. And, you know, if you read the book, um, I, I'm not going to go through any of the details in it, but I know he goes into great lengths of the research around the success factors of individuals who have shown over consistently years of being giving mentalities and what's that, what that has done for them. Um, and it's almost conclusive that, you know, the givers are the ones who are actually making ahead as opposed to people who are just taking and hoarding and trying to keep all the information to themselves. Yep. So totally agree. Yeah, it really is. And I think that really does encapsulate the heart of selling from the heart, which is, you know, what can I do to add value? What can I do to serve? And, uh, that comes in the form of like real tangible things that we do to serve and it comes in the sharing, like you said, of, of ideas and the network, Larry, where you're saying, what, I've, I've got all these resources. What can I bring to the table to help you um, personally and professionally meet your goals? So good. Yeah, because I remember even sharing this with Coca not too long ago. And I think, Coca, you remember this. As I was saying, you know, 
what made me stand out and I'd encourage people to, to really key in on this is the more I invested, the more I invested in my network and the more I educated my network, the more I reaped and collected from my network. Mm -hmm. And that meant I had to give up my knowledge, right? Freely. I had to give up certain things without asking for anything in return. And I think if more salespeople out there really latched onto this concept but I, th I think the difficult thing is we look at things through short-sighted, short lens, small, narrow, focused glasses that we can't see the bigger picture because we're being hammered for numbers on a consistent basis. And do you think that short-sightedness, is it being naive or is it, you know, some combination of, you know, a lack of interest or just a disbelief in that, in, in that idea? Hmm. I think it's um let me get really deep with you for a second here. No, dude, it, it's all good. I think I think it's the last one right there. You use disbelief. I don't think a lot of people believe in this because you know, I, I'm a big believer, um, just my opinion. We're products of our environment. I always say we're products of how we're raised. Well, you know, to stick up for salespeople on this one, we're products in the in sales environments we've been raised in. And if we've been raised in those environments where they don't believe in it, guess what? Yeah. Or if they're trained to, to go against that grain and always look for that deal and, oh, they, you know, it's a $50 product. They only have 35. Make sure you get that 35 from them. Or, oh, they, you know, it's $35, but they have 50. Add in enough stuff so they can get that whole $50. Like it's, it's right. the, that taking <laughs> mentality that we're just discussing as opposed to the giving side of yeah. it. Yeah, but I think, uh, it's, I think that as salespeople grow in their career, the more successful they are, they, mm -hmm. I would hope so. That mm -hmm. by and large, they understand that mentality. They see that shift that they have to make. Yeah. When they're young and they're eager and all they want to do is just get that commission check, it's a much different mentality, but they haven't learned it yet. And so I don't know if it's management taking advantage of that behavior or if it's just you know a lack of education. But I think that if young sales professionals understood out the gate to just be the givers as opposed to just trying to take all the opportunities, they're going to become more successful, which is why I think SDRs and certain roles like that should be feeding grounds for that type of behavior because when they become AEs or sales managers, that being locked into their own paradigm of belief structure is going to reap rewards, not just in their business, but their personal life and everything else. Yeah, I think, I think we're at the heart right here of the empty suit that Larry talks about, right? Is, you know, if, if you're the taker, you're just swinging through looking for the low-hanging fruit. You're not investing in yourself. You can't be a giver. Um, if you don't invest, right? If you can't be a giver, if you don't invest in relationships, the heart, in value, the mind, um, you know, you can't be a giver if you don't invest in yourself and even just have the energy or the the personal organization skills to to really add value. It takes some work, and I think so many salespeople live at the level of you know sales training and tactics and all that on uh, you know kind of the outer game, but we got to start working on the inner game you know, the, the giver rip, the caring, the value, becoming someone who's valuable and becoming someone who is, you know, uh, you know, just like athletic enough to come to the table and really bring, you know, put in a full day and, uh, and more. And uh, that's it's so good. That's so good. I want to get to what we're, we're here to talk about today, though. <laughs> I'm just totally running down this rabbit trail here of, of the inner game and the outer game. And I think the inner game is where it's at. But this year, we're coming up to the end of 2020. Thank goodness. <laughs> Can we oh, just all please say? Let, 
You know, I wish there was it, there was already some premonition that on New Year's Eve the clock was going to hit twelve and all this would just go back to normal. Right, but this is just... not going to be the case. So even though I keep telling myself, "Well, twenty twenty is almost over," like it doesn't mean anything really. I know, we're, I know. Gonna, gonna it feels good. We're going to hop in our DeLoreans. Right? That's right. Let's go. But you know, it right now, obviously, this has been a, a year of unplanned sea level change in sales, in how we buy and how we work. I mean, there's just so many things have have shifted this year. And, you know, now we're we're on the cusp of a new year, maybe, you know, maybe at some point a new normal. Um, whatever that looks like. And and all all the while we've had technology and sales on this collision course, getting closer and closer together. And, um, you know, and now we find ourselves, you know, on the dawn of this new year. And I just want us to think together about the concept of, you know, where do technology and sales meet in this environment? And what does that mean to all of us in sales and sales leadership? So, yeah, uh, let's put on a little bit of our our look towards the future based on what we've learned this year. I guess that's a great place to start, Coca. What have we learned this year? Well, we learned a lot about what worked and what didn't work as far as technology goes. I mean, once you basically sent every employee to go work from home, it became very clear just without, you know, any regard for, you know, any like composure or like makeup or dressing on it where the deficiencies were that a lot yeah. of companies had gaps um, on the technology side, specifically for salespeople. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of companies, especially in the SaaS space, I mean, that's the kind of industry or area that I work in. Um, they're much more technologically advanced um, as opposed to other industries. But I think all industries have struggled in some way with this gap in technology, um, not just from not having it, but even being able to train their employees on how to use it effectively remotely. Uh, you know, in you know the tech space and in, in the SaaS you know software industry, there was you know there's already this idea of uh, sales automation tools like uh, email cadences, like the sales lofts and outreaches of the world. Mm -hmm. um, there are other technologies in place for you know email signatures or chatting, uh, and I think that what we realized in 2020 was that all of those systems were going to be tested to the extreme. I mean, we're on Zoom right now. I mean, think of what happened to Zoom when everybody went home. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard stories about the Zoom sales team and what they are. I think they're still even unpacking a lot of these issues where all of a sudden they didn't have enterprise pricing and they had entire companies saying, no, 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 I didn't, I don't need, you know, onesie twosie licenses across this company. I need an enterprise license. And they didn't have pricing structures or, you know, plans set up for a lot of these companies that needed this. Um, so they were even tested internally from not just a technology standpoint, but from a sales standpoint, how do they adapt to being able to sell in this environment where their product, I mean, thankfully it existed, became this massive, you know, need across every industry, regardless of, you know, what you're in from teachers to, you know, the manufacturing plants, everything, everybody started getting on zoom and that became a, an issue. And so they had to learn how to use these platforms that they're totally unaccustomed to. Yeah. So, and Hey, Daryl, just go ahead, Larry. You no, know, this, what this reminds me of is because I, I mean, I love this conversation and sorry for cutting in, Daryl, is, you know, 
I love technology, but I want to just throw a different spin on this for just a second, because Daryl brought up in the very beginning, Koki, you know, the intersection of where sales and technology and automation hit and what have we learned in 2020? I think, you know, if I'm looking at this possibly through a different lens, just for a moment, is I think what we've learned is, I and I firmly believe this, is many in sales have been hiding behind the use of technology and automation, And what 2020 has exposed is that we got to learn how to communicate better through it. And a special shout out, you know, Daryl to our friends over at BombBomb with Mm -hmm. Ethan and Butte and Steve Passanelli, who wrote a really great book about re your business Mm -hmm. is this is a great time for that collision course with sales technology and automation to rehumanize salespeople as they start conversations and engage with their clients and out in the marketplace. I mean, and yeah, and let's let's face it, like the idea of email cadences, like the outreaches of the world where, you know, you'd have, you know, on day one, send this email on day three, send this email and it was all programmed out. And if somebody replied, it came into my inbox. You know, all of that's been around for a while. But what happened in the pandemic or when everybody started working from home is that everything went to that. There was no more meetings or any more of those other communication points. So everything got pushed through these platforms and it became inundative and it became obvious to, you know, the buyers and the decision makers of the world, like, oh my gosh, they're using some cadence. Like I, they're, they were seeing almost the same emails coming in every two days from different companies. Um, so it became very clear to identify it. And what really breaks through that noise is the companies that realize, oh shit, everybody's going to be getting on this train and sending out more emails. How do we make our emails more human? How do we add video into this? How do we layer in these other kind of moments or assets or, you know, artifacts where we have a more human touch that's given to that person besides just the automations that they were getting anyway, but now it's just everywhere. I think it comes down to dozens of decisions throughout the day. Like, for example, if I'm prospecting, and I've got a prospecting sequence queued up in front of me in outreach or HubSpot or whatever, I have decision at that point to take a few minutes and personalize it and customize it, do a little digging on LinkedIn or go back in my CRM, or I have the opportunity to take the lazy way out and just go send, you know, and not change anything. And so, you know, the empty suit is going to just go send. Um, the uh, sales professional is going to say, wait, you know, how can I, how can I add value here? And they're going to delete some sentences and add some things and all that. Sales automation helped because they didn't have to start from scratch. They didn't have exactly. to think about programming, you know, the sequence and cadence, all of those things. And, and I think it's the same thing. You know, I have an opportunity to send a email or I have the opportunity to turn my camera on, smile and record a video, you know, the second one might take a little bit more work, although I think it's easier to use video than to type an email nowadays. But, you know, it's just that mindset of going, okay, where, where can technology and sales meet so that I'm efficient, but I'm also authentic at the same time, authentic value and authentic relationship. And, and those, I think, um, guys, what, I'm curious what you think, but I think it's just a thousand decisions throughout the day where I go, am I going to take the easy way out or am I going to invest a couple minutes here and put something into it? Well, and think about it from the from this decision maker's point of view. 
right? Like if you were them, would you rather get the video or would you rather get the other email, right? right. Like if you put yourself in their shoes, 99% of the time, you're going to be right. What would you rather have? But, yeah. but, but Coca though, I mean, we know what the answer is, right? Cause if, I mean, that's hopefully it's a no brainer. If you ask most people, would you send that email? Would you do what you're getting ready to do? And most people are going to say, no, but I'd they, rather and do and this. Do it anyway. And but, I think that goes back to the empty suit kind of conversation. Right. So th- then the question is, and again, we'll get really deep is why mm-hmm. is it because you have a hundred other things on your plate and this just needs to get put off of it. Well, maybe it's time management. I mean, you can mm-hmm. unpack all of these things, but there it's really in, this is what I tell my kids all the time. And it's what my drill sergeants used to tell me in the army, you're lazy and undisciplined. And if this is what's <laughs> happening time yes. and time again, it's not a matter of, Hey, you have too much on your plate. You are lazy and undisciplined. And yes. those two things together, you take the opposites of those and just start acting on those on even small scales. And you're going to change, you're going to change your entire life. But stop being lazy and undisciplined. Like, send the video. You don't have to do it every email, but if you're doing it over most of them or some of them, at least you're putting in the effort. Yeah, yeah but where do you the, think that's coming from, Daryl? Well, it's a digital equivalent of phoning it in, right? It's just like I'm just gonna, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna phone it. We got this sales automation, but you know, it's like whether you, it, it, it gets back to the heart issue, right? Do I get, really give a rip? Do I really give a rip, or am I just trying to check a box? I did this sales activity. I did, you know, all of this. And I, I think right now in this world of two dimensional, you know, communication without the face to face. And in so many cases, um, there's gotta be double the sincerity behind it. Cause it's hard, you know, when you're face to face with someone, you, they can smell insincerity, um, over, over, you know, Zoom, over all of these different communication media, we've got to, we got to double down on sincerity. And some of that's just shown for, through effort. And a lot of it's shown through the effort to do a little bit of homework and, to, you know, think, put yourself in their shoes for a, just a minute and go, what can I do that's going to be meaningful to that company? Or what question can I ask to learn what I need to know that's going to take this vanilla flavored thing and put some, you know, chocolate sprinkles and a cherry on top or whatever <laughs> they need, right? There's a way to, to use automation and there's a way to use it in a way that's personalized. You know, I, as you were saying that I was going back, I, I had like this weird memory from, you know, 10 years ago when I was just going down the social selling path and this idea of how you use social media as a way to kind of surround your customer. You may not be able to walk into their office. In fact, this is the talk track I used to say. You may not be able to walk in their office and see the certificates on the wall or the fishing trophy on their desk, but you can go online and you can see all of these things that they're sharing and talking about as if you were in the room. Right. You know, I was saying that almost as if it was like a fantasy world. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you weren't, imagine a life where you weren't able to do these things. Yeah. That's what's online. And now that's the world we're in. You know, I literally do not have the opportunity to walk into the office of these companies that I'm doing business with or meet them face to face, but I can see them on Zoom. So I at least get some facial interaction. I can kind of see some of the cues, but following them online and seeing these other things that they're doing, like that's giving me this better picture so that when I have the conversation, I have, I understand more context around them and I can probably bring more things to light knowing that all more information. 
Yeah, which brings us to the next next thing about technology and sales is social. And Coca, you were a pioneer in social and in in the sales context for sure. And now, you know, more than a decade has passed. It's you know, it's beyond you know, not new, <laughs> right? It's not new. If it's new to you, uh, you know, and you, you just came out of a rock, dude. Right, yeah, but. If, if, <laughs> if you're in sales and you're not even on LinkedIn there's a different conversation to be had with you. Yeah. So we're, we're going to assume that the selling from the hard sales professionals are on LinkedIn. How, where's this going? Like what, what's, where's this going in 2021 and beyond? What are you seeing in? Well, if I were to put on my, you know, um, prophecy hat, I mean, I, I think that the world is becoming more connected and we've been seeing that more and more over the years. Um, you know, we're seeing it, you know, very much more in our personal lives, but obviously in our professional lives over the last decade or so, we've seen a lot more connections happening. Um, you know, I feel like in the next few years, I mean, I think this pandemic definitely threw some digital adoption and some of this digital transformation on a global scale mm-hmm. to, you know, up a few notches. Like it's just sped up the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I feel like there's going to be a, a world soon where most business is being done like this, uh, where social and these networks are going to become even more important. And, you know, way years ago, I want to say 10 years, maybe might even more than that, when I started working at Inside View, when I first, that was my very first marketing job, and I started getting into this whole social space. Um, there was this idea kicked around back then around a private network. Why would you want to talk about social networks? Everybody's there. Like, Mike, I don't want my employees all on these social networks where they're going to talk about things and our competitors are going to see it. Same arguments we hear now, but like back then, they, they actually had legitimate fears in place. Like, it was, right. it was much more rooted in like an emotion. You know, I've seen now with all these Slack groups and all these other communities that are popping up, and I'm seeing companies that are creating these. And mm-hmm. so it's becoming another, like, another section of, technology that's now going to start building these more concise communities so that you don't have to be on LinkedIn. You're going to have this platform that has your profile and all this information and your updates, and it's going to be legitimately just the people you want to talk to on a regular basis without all the fluff, right? And I think that's where a lot of these Slack communities are starting to get into. Um, So I see that that's something that's going to start coming down the trend. Uh, You look at things like Revenue Collective, uh, Rev Genius, like the real specific groups, that's what they do. They are very small communities. Well, smallish, they're not millions of people. Um, and they're literally just there to network and help each other out. Um, and I, I think that the sales communities are starting to see a lot more of those smaller groups popping uh-huh. up. Um, and we're seeing people actually creating their own groups, SDR collectives and you yeah. know, all, all these, these yep. other fringe groups just of one subset. It's interesting you say that because, uh, you know, right now, obviously we inside Selling from the Heart, we've got our Selling from the Heart Insiders group, which is a community of practice of sales, genuine, authentic sales professionals that that want to make each other better, you know, and they, there's an affinity there around, um, you know, the concepts and the brand and, and saying, hey, we, we want to be authentic. Um, I just spun up another, um, I'm a part, partner in another company. I literally was just specking out the web page for our new community of practice um, inside that where we're actually going to run monthly events where people get together in a private group and solve each other's problems, you know, and, and work together 
from different companies. And I think this movement towards, yes, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of that, but towards private communities on Slack or, you know, all the, all the other network platforms that are out there. Um, it's going to be very interesting, just like, you know, 10, 15, however many, 13 years ago, when we were all trying to figure out LinkedIn, right? Um, how do we figure out this world of fragmented, um, you know, communities that, A, we probably don't know about, and B, we'd love to get involved in? Is that a question for me? So I would uh, say- a question for the crowd. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know- You have two you minutes. to be involved. <laughs> Uh, it's a deep question. Um, you know, I, I feel like you want to be, you, you, every professional should be going out and looking for all the communities, right? Yes. You want to find your tribe and you want to find your multiple tribes if possible, because there's lots of like-minded people out there. Um, you're going to see some communities that look really great. And you're going to get in and be like, oh, it's nothing but crickets in here. Or yeah, they're not mm-hmm. talking about things that are actually of interest to me. There's no value to be shared and you'll leave them. Um, and, you know, I think that these the openness of these communities allows for this kind of free flowing kind of member base. Uh, and you see the ones who stick around the longest. Um, and you know, I'm, you know, Rev Genius, there's a few mm-hmm. other communities that I'm part of and it's, you see people come and go and then you see the ones that have been there since the inception or much longer and you've had more interactions with them. Um, and I see that that's where those conversations are going. And, you know, there'll be one group specifically that, has much better marketing conversations because the mm-hmm. people that are in that community know marketing more than this other community that I'm in that knows, let's say sales enablement really well on top of other things. Um, so, you know, I think you, what we're seeing now is this kind of shattered glass kind of mosaic of all these communities popping up. And then, you know, what's going to happen after that is the consolidation world is going to happen. Um, yeah, but we're yeah. just now into this mosaic piece where we're now looking at it from like a stained glass view of, oh, here's something over here and here's something beautiful over here. And I have to get through these two other things that aren't that great, but, you know, maybe I should know what they are to get this other great one. Um, I think that's the current state with the future state is when, you know, some of these things start consolidating or people start just generally navigating into more of one. Uh-huh. So then this begs the question, when's enough enough? You know, I don't, I don't know that you, you, we get to answer that question because these communities, like even earlier, I'm just now even thinking of another community earlier today I was exposed to. And in, in one of my companies, we work with a, a group of companies that use a specific um, operations operating system to run. And that company that, that spearheads this operating system set up a community and I got involved it was free. There's 750 people and growing. And I was like a kid in a candy store going, whoa. Now, however, if I put my smarmy empty suit sales hat on, I'm going to go into that community and I'm going to promote stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to just puke all over my, you know, if you do that, right. If you just go in the community and do what people have been doing, you know, in error on LinkedIn, which is just, you know, promo, 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 yeah. buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Do you want a meeting? All that stuff. If you, you do that on LinkedIn, you get tuned out. If you do that inside a small community, you won't just get tuned out. You'll get booed out of that community. And yeah, you're actually, you yeah. And, and if I make the, in this case, in this group, which is a defined group of people that is our target market for this company if I make an idiot of myself in that group, I'm done. I mean, I'm like, I might as well leave that because it's so 
you know, if you make an idiot of yourself on LinkedIn, it's a big world. There's, you know, it's just yeah, like it'll, it'll get diluted. Yeah, you know, it's diluted. Or anything diluted and deleted pretty quick. But if you go into some of these smaller communities and networks, and I am seeing, I've like three today um, that I'm thinking of, one of which I'm involved in, one which I'm spinning up, which there's a whole other interesting thing. When can salespeople spin up their own communities of practice? And uh, I'll talk about- And Daryl, but layer on top of that, when can salespeople spin up their own private communities and it's their clients? Right, exactly. And, um, you know, we're- uh, we're doing that as well. We've got community practice for um, different roles inside another company that we started with COVID. Simply, when COVID went out, we were like, we have to protect our client base. So we put them all in a community together. And next thing you know, they're talking to each other and we're part of the conversation. And it actually has rescued our revenue from dwindling away. And I think this is really, this whole evolution of social is fascinating. And I bet we're going to see more and more of these pop-up communities. It's like the old pop-up stores, right? Boom, there's all of a sudden a store. Here's a pop-up community, and, and we better get good at, in, at living, being a good citizen, even an enthusiastic you know, uh, cheerleader in these communities, and not a you know, just old-school idiot salesperson dropping, you know, the crap that, we, that you see out there on LinkedIn. And I mean, again, like just going back to like the best practices I would normally preach about social selling is when you connect with someone, the last one, you never connect with someone with a sales pitch as the connection request. Right. And bearing that they do connect with you. You don't pitch them right after they connect with you, right? Like you can't, you can't go into a party and just hit on every chick at the party. Like eventually <laughs> they're going to throw you out and think you're a creep. It's the same thing online. That's right. And you know, to some extent on LinkedIn, you can get away with it. You know, maybe you're young, you're naive, like people just disregard you and they just won't connect with you. Like they're not really, it's not going to do too much in the early stages of your career, unless you're mm-hmm. just flagrantly blatantly just being right. bad about it. And then people are going to call you out publicly. But in these smaller communities, it is a detriment because it's not just being disconnected from one person. You are now being cut off from an entire ecosystem of individuals, right? And the ones who are in there that may have seen that you were there and now you're gone and understand why you're gone. Or, you know, they're going to look at you and say, why aren't you mad at a zoo? Oh, I used to be, but I'm not in it anymore. Oh, what'd you do? I probably screwed up and did something wrong. Right. (laughs) You have to just behave correctly. Again, add value. Don't expect anything in return. The more value you add into these communities, the more you're going to get out of it. Um, And it's not against asking for things, but you just have to make sure you're adding more value than whatever it is that you are expecting from return. Um, and I think if you follow that rule, generally speaking, you're going to be okay in any of these communities. What a fascinating time to be alive and what a fascinating, you know, I think we're going to look back on this period of history as we're wrapping up today. Just, I think we're going to look back on this period of history and realize that some really big things happened right now. And I think this is a time for all sales professionals and leaders to really just be heads up right? And be paying attention to what's going on because there are some huge shifts and uh, opportunities that if we don't jump on the bandwagon, you know, we might just flat out miss and we can't afford to miss opportunity right now. Absolutely not. And and I always say, you know, if, if there is a big target right now, everyone's trying to hit targets and why not reverse it? And the target to hit is yourself first. 
my two cents. There you go. Well, Coca, what words of wisdom as we land the plane here? This has been a great conversation. I knew it would be. Thank you. What words of wisdom would you leave us uh, as we're looking forward uh, into the new year and beyond? Words of wisdom. I don't know if I've been typically known for these. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Dig deep, deep on this one, dude. Dig deep. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> You've got one shot. Just one <laughs> shot. Do it. <laughs> the clock's ticking, Coca. Come on, man. <laughs> the word of wisdom, and you know, it's something that I, I repeat over and over again. It's that visibility creates opportunity. And mm-hmm. I am a testament of this myself in my own career that by making myself visible, any made possible, social media, whatever it was, it's created many opportunities in my life. You look at, you know, these great hosts of ours, you know, Larry and Daryl, and you realize that visibility creates opportunity for them. So for everybody watching this, continue to invest in yourself follow this kind of idea of selling from the heart and remember that visibility creates opportunity. Awesome. So good. Well, Coca, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being an inspiration leader in the space. We just have thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with you today. All right. (laughs) That's where you say thank you. (laughs) There you go. Are these trained professionals? Dude, I thank you. This is the world of the time delay in sales as well. It's so fun. Hey, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us today. I love this Selling from the Heart community. Uh, not only are, are, do we find people who are genuine, we find people who are authentic. We find people who have a good time. And by the way, if you want to get to know more of those people, come hang out with us. Come to the Selling from the Heart Insiders group. We've got a phenomenal thing going on right now, and it is exciting. And you can give it a shot for free for 30 days. Just go to sellingfromtheheart.net slash insiders and make sure to text revenue to 21,000. We'll get resources in your hand, including the recording of Is Your Sales Training Broken? So other than that, until next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value. Make sure to put yourself where technology and sales meet. And most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.